Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is TTS Thursday number 15 and today's topic is a continuation of uh, a mini-series that we started last week. So today we're going to discuss top five tips for intermediate level athletes to get faster. Last week we discussed beginner athletes. But before that, big thanks to our sponsors. First we have Precision Hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Precision Hydration create electrolyte products that you can use to match your individual sweat sodium concentration and this is uh, really important especially in longer and hotter uh, races and training days uh, because if you don't adequately replace all the sodium that you lose you might run into issues such as cramping or nausea or just generally uh, decreasing performance uh, across a long day so when planning out your Ironman or half Ironman nutrition strategy and hydration strategy make sure that you take sodium into account and go to precisionhydration.com and get a free hydration plan uh, individualized to you and you can get uh, 15% off your electrolyte order with the promo code thattriathlonshow15 and thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com Roka are the world leading manufacturers of wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high performance eyewear and prescription glasses and sunglasses whether you are looking to go faster in the open water or get more aerodynamic uh, on the bike with your tri-suit and just have a nice and functioning tri-suit with great pockets, great comfort and all of that, Roka has products for you in many different categories from wetsuits and tri-suits all the way to performance eyewear as well as prescription glasses and sunglasses. What's common to all of them is uh, the amazing attention to detail in the product design and development, the innovations and uh, the really top, top quality that Roka has in all their product lines. So as a user, the experience that you have with any Roka product will be fantastic. You can get 20% off your order of any Roka products uh, with the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. Now, just a quick request. If you are a long-time listener of the podcast and if you haven't already ratings and reviews really helps the podcast keep going uh, it helps us get more listeners which is really really important to uh, to be able to keep cranking out the episodes at uh, the current rate uh, so let's get into the main topic for today and uh, as i said last week we discussed the top five tips for beginners to get faster today we're going to discuss intermediate level athletes however you want to define that uh, it's uh, it doesn't really matter exactly where the lines are i usually tend to think of athletes as beginners intermediate or advanced and that's what uh, my training plans are called as well uh, but uh, there isn't a clear line where, where you're a beginner or intermediate athlete or advanced athlete it's more of a, a gray zone in uh, in between those those three categories uh, but to summarize what we talked about last week we had tip number five was to not train too much tip number four was to learn to go slow and to go fast and develop many different gears tip number three was to focus on improving technique and skills in all three disciplines tip number two was, was to make fun your first priority and tip number one was to join and train with a club or a community uh, of uh, triathletes of course, these things do not suddenly stop becoming important or being important just because you got a bit faster, have a bit more experience and are no longer a beginner. They are still very important, can be very, very useful. 
But the perspective of this episode series is that if you are a beginner, let's tackle the most common uh, big uh, items for beginners first. If you're an intermediate, we make the assumption that you've got your bases covered with those items on that beginner list. So we can tackle some, some new items that tend to come up at this intermediate level. So in this way, most of the items on this intermediate list are different than the ones on the beginner list, and the items on the advanced list will be different than the ones on today's intermediate list. Because essentially at every level, we run into new challenges to overcome and new problems to solve. Uh, as I said, it doesn't mean you can ignore the items from the previous levels. You still need to manage them. And uh, also, just as a caveat, when I say that most items are different, you are right. I am alluding to the fact that there will be one or two items that repeat from one level to the next. But I'll explain that once we get to it, which is uh, right now as we start the list counting down from tip number five. So tip number five is a repeat from last week and that is to focus on improving technique and skills in all three disciplines. Uh, this is the one item that repeats uh, simply for the reason that once you have taken your technical proficiency to an intermediate level, there are still improvements that you can do, probably big improvements in technical proficiency that will result in big performance improvements. You could say that you have solved the problem of technique and skills at the beginner level, but now you have that problem at a higher level, at an intermediate level, that you still want to solve to get to advanced level, potentially. Just to reiterate something that I said last week, it was that adequate technique is the foundation upon which you can build improved speed and eventually the ability to go fast for a long time. So take the swim as an example. If you are really powerful and explosive, you might be able to sprint a 50 meter really fast, even without good technique. Not competitive swimming level fast, of course, but amateur triathlon level fast. However, you won't be able to keep a high submaximal speed for a long time because you are just inefficient with a poor technique. So doing 750 meters, 1500 meters, 1900 meters, or 3800 meters, those distances, which are, of course, our triathlon swim distances, uh, you will be much, much less competitive at because you can't compensate the lack of technical proficiency with raw power over longer distances. It works over short distances, not over long distances. The same thing goes in cycling, where I would count your position on the bike as part of technical proficiency uh, slash skills. So if you can put out high power, but in a very non-aerodynamic position, assuming here that we're talking about non-draft triathlon racing, then that high power doesn't really count for as much as if you can do it in a nice and aerodynamic position, which of course you will be able to not only hold for a minute or two, but for the duration of the race to really make sure that you get all the benefits that you should from that good position. We also talked last week about how you cannot improve technique unless you first know what good technique looks like and uh, second know what you are currently doing and this is where having somebody help you whether it's a friend a triathlon training buddy or a coach or some experts in the field like going to see somebody that does swim video analysis those are all great things that you can do to work on your uh, technique and skills uh, in on the bike it can be going and getting a bike fit uh, would be a great uh, great thing to do so no matter what we're talking about which discipline it is getting regular feedback on it is important even if it's just you videoing yourself every once in a while just to briefly mention some specifics in each discipline that you can work on at this level. 
For the swim, it's all about just keep plugging away at improving the main issues in your stroke. And and I can't specify what that is because there are so many different potential flaws in anybody's stroke. Identifying these issues is really the the golden ticket. So I recommend that every now and then you should get a good a video analysis from a good coach or maybe do the video analysis yourself but send it in to a good coach and uh, that can complement the DIY video analysis you do and uh, as a reference uh, I did an episode on a previous TTS Thursday about how you can do your own video analysis so go and listen to that episode if you're interested on the bike when we're talking amateur triathlon the majority of athletes will at some point during this stage of getting from beginner to intermediate consider getting a TT bike uh, if they they aren't already on one and uh, when you get to start working on a TT bike or riding on a TT bike the technical proficiency and skills that we're talking about here and what what you might work on includes riding comfortably in an aerodynamic position of course in the aero bars so a bike fit here might be a great first step or is a great first step for this Uh, secondly learning how to consume nutrition and hydration without or with minimal disruptions from your aero position is second really important thing third learning how to ride a course how to maintain momentum when to push higher powers to crest a hill and maintain speed and so on and i do have an episode that at least tangentially talks about this which is uh, a recent tts first day about how to pace hilly courses on the bike and then finally also improving cornering and descending skills Uh, this might not seem like much because most triathlons uh, tend to be fairly simple courses but that's not always the case especially uh, non-branded races ironman uh, even challenge to some extent tend to be known for pretty simple courses that don't have too much in terms of technical requirements to them but uh, but some smaller non-branded races federation races they can be all over the map with uh, some really technical courses Uh, so and, and even on those courses without a lot of that if you have a course that is three laps and you have a u-turn in in every one of them and you lose let's say five seconds every time then over the course of those three laps you've already lost 30 seconds which is quite significant it's not insignificant and it's something that you can so easily work on by by learning how to corner really effectively and uh, then finally for the run uh, by this point in your triathlon career if you have a couple of seasons of triathlon training on your resume then your run form or technique is probably already converging towards the most efficient one for you but this is under the the assumption that you have adequate strength and mobility and many athletes actually don't so so at this point getting on a good and well-rounded strength and conditioning program is in my opinion the best thing you can do for your running form because if you make sure that you have a well-rounded functional strength and stability and mobility uh, required to not fall into bad patterns of running because a certain muscle or is too weak or a joint is not mobile enough then everything else will take care of itself your running form will keep converging towards what is best and most efficient for you and uh, and that is uh, that is quite simple really you don't need to focus so much on how you actually run if you have the prerequisites for running well which is strength stability and mobility all right so let's go on move on to number four which is to do adequate testing to set training zones and last week we talked about learning to train at different intensities finding different gears as a key part of improvement as a beginner athlete 
when you are at an intermediate level just training at different speeds isn't is still good but it's not quite as good as really figuring out some training zones with a bit more precision and of course we could dedicate multiple episodes to testing and training zones so i'm just going to give the main headlines here and there are a number of different tests you can do you can do field tests you can do lab tests and uh, there are options from both sides that are good and that can help you set training zones if we talk about lab testing just a little bit it is absolutely great but it's also not absolutely necessary at least not as a first step i would say that if you keep seeing improvements in your performances by using training zones derived from field tests then you can by all means keep doing what's working uh, and lab testing while very interesting might not necessarily give you that much additional information always it can but it, it might not if you're improving at a good rate then there's no reason to change a winning team so to say but if you hit the plateau and then at that point i really think that going into the lab and seeing if maybe your training zones aren't where they should be that is a really good thing to do and just getting a general picture of your physiology beyond just training zones when we when it comes to field tests there are of course a number of them out there they all have pros and cons i personally think that a that doing a test in a critical power style which means doing one short test and one longer tests or shorter time trial i should say and a longer time trial is a really good way of going about things because especially if you're working with a coach because it gives you more information about your physiological profile and where your strengths and weaknesses might lie so examples of critical power testing might be to on the swim do a 100 meter time trial and a 1000 meter time trial and on the bike and the run the examples that i typically would use would be a three minute all-out time trial and a 20 to 30 minute 20 or 30 minute all-out time trial depending a bit on the level of the athlete so you probably know that when it comes to training zones and training zone systems there are a number an excessive number of different training zone systems out there uh, some are use a three zone model some are five zone models some are ten, ten zone models there are pros and cons to most of them i don't know if there are any pros to using 10 training zones i don't see any benefits of that many zones but maybe that's just me uh, this episode isn't about telling you which training zone system to go with uh, but uh, but i think what i want to highlight here is that if you get some good estimates for your first and second lactate thresholds your lt1 and lt2 then that would be a really good starting point and from that point you can you can structure your training pretty well when you have those two benchmarks so without going into what lt1 and lt2 actually are we have episodes in the past on that uh, and you can and you won't get them exactly from a field test you have to do a lactate test to get them exactly but we're just looking for estimates here and uh, the lt2 is the easier one to estimate when you do a critical power test in particular it is an easy calculation there are cal calculators online or you can just calculate it in in an excel spreadsheet pretty easily but basically what the calculation does is it uh, is it uh, it assesses the difference in speed or power that you can hold for the short uh, time trial versus the long time trial and then it comes up with okay so what is the the duration what is the sorry what is the speed that you can in theory hold for uh, a pretty long duration in a in a more or less a steady state where if you go any 
any faster or any at any higher power than that critical power or critical speed then you won't be able to hold it for long but if you go uh, at the low just below it then you can potentially hold it for for quite a sustained amount of time uh, of course how long you can hold critical power or critical speed it's debatable for most athletes i would say that uh, 30 minutes 40 minutes because critical power or critical speed tends to be a bit uh, more intense than actually your lt2 if you really go into a lab and assess that so keep that in mind that critical power or critical speed are quite intense and when doing quote-unquote threshold training it's totally fine to to do it slightly slower than critical power and critical pace and you're still training your quote-unquote threshold uh, but uh, but that's that's the in essence what uh, the critical power means and and it, it is a decent estimate of lt2 if you want to then just calculate your critical power and then uh, remove or de-intensify it a little bit and then you can esti- uh, estimate your lt2 that way uh, so so then yeah if you want to get get really not accurate but maybe get closer to what your lt2 might be in a lab test but that's uh, maybe a bit overkill for most athletes you can just stick to your critical power and then for your lt1 if we have uh, an estimate now of your lt2 uh, or your critical power then we can't really get a very accurate estimate unfortunately for lt1 with field tests that is something that to be accurate you'd really have to go into a lab but uh, well i'll tell you how to get an estimate and it's it's going to be an estimate it's going to vary a lot from individual to individual but it's better than nothing so for pace and heart rate i would just estimate lt1 to be around 85 percent of your lt2 so that's easy let's say that your uh, your your threshold pace is um, 15 kilometers per hour if we calculate it like that you can convert it to pace if you want to but 15 times 0.85 would be 12.75 kilometers per hour would be an estimate for lt1 and of course uh, similar for heart rate just take 0.85 times whatever your threshold heart rate is Uh, for power on the bike uh, you would just take 75 percent of your lt2 estimate as your estimate of lt1 so if your lt2 estimate is 250 watts 250 times 0.75 equals 188 so 188 watts would be your estimate for lt1 and one way that you can kind of validate your lt1 is to do the torque test which i have described many times before but just seeing if you can kind of torque without huffing and puffing excessively at that or just below that pace or power and and if you can then you're probably about right but if you if you have huff and puff a lot and it's really uh, really hard just for you to talk even in uh, even get out a number a small number of words half a sentence or so then that's probably a sign that you're above your lt1 so so yeah you can do that to validate uh, to validate if the, those estimates seem to be correct or not then in terms of actual training with this information with having estimates for lt1 and lt2 what you'll be able to do is to better plan and execute workouts in all intensity domains and uh, when i say intensity domains here just uh, not using the scientific lingo which would be moderate heavy severe and extreme i'm not going to use those terms i'm just going to use the terms low intensity training moderate intensity training and high intensity training and low intensity training would be below lt1 moderate intensity training would be between lt1 and lt2 and high intensity would be above lt2 so once you once you know those uh, 
lt1 and lt2 numbers for you you can you can start to make sure that well if you plan to do a moderate intensity workout well you know where your pace or power should be or your heart rate and you can plan your workouts and execute your workouts accordingly in those different areas of intensity that leads nicely into tip number three which is to train with good structure when you're a beginner you can do to a point almost anything and still improve but when you're past that honeymoon phase it becomes a bit more challenging to keep finding fitness improvements especially if you are time crunched and limited on the, the amount of hours that you can put into training so in order to improve you now have to be more intentional and purposeful with your training otherwise the training stimulus is not going to be effective enough to generate any significant improvements so what does training with structure mean uh, it does mean that you want to have a mix of fairly easy low intensity workouts and fairly hard workouts uh, and more broadly you want to have some days that are lighter and easier even full rest days and you have want to have some days that are more demanding and where you might train a lot or you might have a really hard workout so basically having a variation of of low demand days and workouts and high demand days and workouts training with structure also means that if you're writing your plan yourself you should have at least a high level idea of the purpose of each type of workout you do and also to some extent the purpose of a given training block which can consist of a few weeks or even a few months of training this is not easy uh, it's hard even for coaches and what i mean when i say that you should have a, an idea of the purpose isn't that you should be able to articulate the mechanisms behind your proposed training plan for a panel of expert coaches and exercise scientists i don't mean that by any stretch i simply mean that you have taken some time out to sit down plan your training at a high level and maybe thinking about things like even thinking from a gap analysis perspective like for example okay so i have spent uh, three weeks or so doing quite a lot of really high intensity training above lt2 and before that i did a period of just getting back into training after my off season with mostly aerobic low intensity training maybe now it's time to get into some moderate intensity training and focus on on uh, powers and paces more or less around race effort or yeah in and around race effort and and do that because that's something that i haven't done in a long time since perhaps since my race season ended last year so so that is an example of of gap analysis and how you don't need to know at a cellular level what happens with each and every workout but just some logical reasoning around why you are doing certain things and the sequencing of uh, of your training blocks so to say uh what uh, what it also means to train with structure is that over time but do note that this can be quite a long period of time your workouts should include workouts from all intensity uh, areas like low intensity moderate intensity and high intensity but when i say that it can be over quite a long time what i mean there is that it's perfectly fine to do a block of a long block of training where you only do low and moderate intensity workouts and, and you might not have high intensity workouts for two or three months and that, that's that's fine but over the course of a season i would my general philosophy is that yeah you do want to have a couple of periods where you have some high intensity so yeah over a long time period you should make sure that you hit many all the different intensity domains is uh, is another part of training with structure uh, 
What structured training does not mean is that you have to increase training load every week or that your hard workouts, your, your key workouts have to get progressively harder every week. This is a very common mistake that I see. That is not the case. It easily leads to overtraining or injury or stagnation in performance because of training too hard and, and progressing the workouts too much. Uh, structure training also does not mean that it has to be complex in fact making things overly complicated often leads to missing the forest for the trees so it's probably best to err on the side of caution as an example of a very simple uh, workout structure weekly structure and let's talk about running here because this is an example that many of you if you have a collegiate running back running background or high school running background for example will probably recognize uh, then you may be used to training uh, in the following way monday an easy run tuesday intervals maybe on the track so pretty hard uh, intervals above lt2 wednesday another easy run thursday a tempo run and when runners talk about tempo runs it's usually somewhere right around their threshold so it can be continuous or it might be a couple of long intervals but a tempo run friday another easy run and saturday a long aerobic run sunday day off or maybe cross training so that is very simple but uh, and it's not to say that it's the best training plan of all time but uh, but i do think it is a very effective workout uh, or weekly schedule weekly pattern it is simple it doesn't have to change much much week to week it includes a bit of everything so you can potentially do this as a repeating week for many months <laughs> for triathlon of course it's a bit of a puzzle with three disciplines it's more difficult than running uh, that's uh, that that really is the case in my opinion but the level of complexity doesn't have to be any higher than this simple can be highly effective is the main point here that i'm trying to make and uh, if you have been following this podcast for a while you probably already know quite a bit about training with structure so use this knowledge that you have gained and uh, and you can gain even more knowledge by first of all learning by doing so get your hands dirty and experiment and be just be intentional with what you're doing and the lessons you learn uh, secondly you can learn more by being a student of the sport talking to knowledgeable people reading books and blogs and of course listening to great podcasts and finally the third way and probably the best way to learn about structured training leads us to item number two on this list on this top five list for intermediate athletes which is to get a coach this is one of those things that if you have been following the podcast for a while another one of those things and you have listened to the interviews that uh, i have on mondays You'll have heard a lot of guests, whether they are coaches themselves or researchers or others with no vested interest in, in coaching, give as one, if not the most important piece of advice to get a coach. Even though triathlon is technically a pretty simple sport, there is a very large number of moving parts in it that you need to piece together if your goal is to really improve and improve as much as possible. Even for a coach working full-time in triathlon, it's impossible to know anywhere near everything. But a great coach at least will know a good amount in uh, a great amount in some key areas and uh, a decent amount in some other areas. And in areas where they are lacking in knowledge, they will probably know somebody that they refer out to when it comes to questions or uh, issues in those particular areas. 
Just to name uh, a few, some of the areas a coach can help you in includes, of course, the programming aspect, physiology and exercise science, which informs the programming, nutrition, aerodynamics, gear and equipment, race strategy and tactics, psychology, strength and conditioning, and much, much more. So with all of those areas that are in themselves huge, there's just way too much to learn for it to be feasible for athletes that are working a full-time job to get to that same level of expertise as a coach. And that's why you're paying a coach to help you get more out of your training. It's similar to taking a car to a mechanic. Maybe I can find out what's wrong with my car by reading a book or watching videos on YouTube and getting my hands dirty and experimenting. But I would probably spend a couple of days on it instead of a mechanic spending two hours on it. And uh, I could have spent those two days doing better doing other stuff. And chances are I might not manage to solve the issue anyway, or I might solve it only partially, uh, not as well as an actual car mechanic would have done. And then I just push the can down the road. And speaking of pushing the can down the road, road, that is another really good reason to get a coach. Uh, that I think that after working with a really good coach, you have massively improved your knowledge level and your ability to self-coach later on. So basically, it pays to get a coach a little earlier rather than a little later in your triathlon career because the period of your triathlon career where you're self-coaching is going to be much better, much more effective when it comes later, when it comes after having had a coach already, because you have you have gained that knowledge from uh, from working with a coach over a period of time. A lot of athletes and intermediate athletes, uh, as we're talking about here, are very time crunched. So there isn't also isn't a whole lot of margin for ineffective training. You basically might need to make all of it really count to be able to improve further if you are a fairly experienced intermediate athlete. And this again is what good coaches can do really well. Just maximize what you get out of the what you put into training. Without going deep into all of the benefits of having a coach, we'll say that for another day perhaps we can sum up uh, two really significant points for intermediate athletes of why getting a coach is such an important thing they can do to improve. Number one is to help you get the most out of your training time and make sure your training is planned and executed effectively. And number two is that it's an investment in your own learning about triathlon. You'll become more autonomous over time, which means you'll be better able to take decisions on the fly. And should you decide to go to self-coaching, you'll be much better equipped to do so. And finally, tip number one is to try to increase training volume with some caveats. (laughs) This doesn't apply to everybody. So I have already said a couple of times that intermediate level athletes are often time crunched and the limited training volume is often something that could be seen as an obvious pathway to improving fitness if it were only possible to increase training volume often it just isn't possible though work and family set strict boundaries on how much it's feasible to train but in some situations you might be able to come up with more or less creative solutions that give give you more time so a very simple example of this might be maybe not super creative but still a good solution trying to start going to bed an hour earlier and getting up an hour earlier that can free up a significant amount of time uh, training time over the course of a week but of course we shouldn't forget that there are also athletes that do have a fair amount of time available to train uh, so th- this is and and they form a key uh, part of the group for whom this advice is directed towards so the premise of of this tip this item on the list isn't that if you're already training close to 15 
even 20 hours per week that you have to train more at that volume a better bet or a safer bet is probably to get a coach to help you get the most out of that volume at least as a first step and then maybe later on you find that you will need to increase volume but uh, but the premise of this item is that if you are not near your physical limit for training volume but you do have some more time to train or you can make time for it with creative solutions then increasing your volume a bit and keep in mind only increase a bit at a time and stay there for some time before increasing more that can be an almost guaranteed way to improve fitness i would say don't do too much is something which we did talk about last week and it still applies of course but the po- the key point here is that you should increase gradually with a bit of volume and you shouldn't increase volume and intensity at the same time and if you do that if you follow that advice then you should be able to safely find your individual limit over time and keep in mind this can be a long period of time or which you just ever so gradually increase your training volume i don't think i necessarily need to go into too much detail on this point really because it it is fairly evident to most i believe that training volume is important there is for example a fantastic uh, recent paper that was published in in nature i believe uh, which is called human running performance from real world big data that showed a very clear correlation uh, between marathon performance and uh, running run training volume so you can check that out it's open access just google human running performance from real world big data and you'll find it Uh, great great paper Uh, but uh, one thing that i want to mention is that it is always a bit risky to throw out numbers of well how much should you train how much should you aim for if you have the time and and you can and you don't feel that you're at your near your physical capacity the answer is always depends of course there and this is where again working with a coach can be so so important but if you're a typical intermediate athlete and you have the time then i think you can probably be in the 12 to 17 hour per week range this depends on your fitness if your vo2 max is around let's say 45 then probably at the maximum 13 to 14 hours would be my guideline but if your vo2 max is uh, approaching 60 then 17 hours might be a good sort of upper end on your uh, on, on your weekly volume any higher than a vo2 max of 60 and you're probably advanced rather than intermediate and uh, yeah these calculations uh, by the way for reference uh, go and listen to my interview that i did recently with Björn kafka and you can also check out aerotune uh, which does a metabolic test uh, that you can do remotely and uh, they will give calculations like this in the report that you get from that test uh, but uh, but yeah i think that in general for intermediate athletes in the 12 to 17 hour per week range and if you feel that you are more on the sort of faster end of intermediate then the higher end is feasible and if you're more on the slower end of that intermediate range then that lower end is probably where you should uh, which you should take as a cap and yeah finally just to repeat some of the caveats here of this point i am not saying that everybody should train more than they are doing (laughs) absolutely not many athletes have already freed up all time there is to free up and that's that there's nothing you can do about that and it's absolutely fine of course others maybe want to improve as triathletes but they also have other hobbies hobbies and don't want to spend all free time on triathlon which is of course equally fine Uh, nobody should start to skimp on sleep or similar to fit in more training Uh, that's uh, if you have to do that then 
yeah, you have to you accept that there is no time to free up because skimping on sleep will harm your performance, not improve it. Uh, it is if you are in that position where you have or can make more time available to train and you are motivated to do it, knowing that you can improve performance and you are not already close to your current physical limit for how much training you can do, then you can increase volume as a very potent weapon. So let's say you are a very typical sort of middle of the pack intermediate athlete. You might have a VO2 max in the 50, 50 range, 50 to 55 range perhaps, and you are already training 16 17 hours per week then you're probably close to your current physical limit and it might not make sense to train more so i just want to clarify that point once again what it means to be close to your current physical limit for how much training you can do so i hope that this clarifies all of the ifs and buts and caveats of this point but uh, the point still stands if you are uh, yeah if you if these conditions apply to you then increasing training volume can be a really powerful well way to improve your triathlon performance so to summarize tip number five was to keep focusing on improving technique and skills in all three disciplines just as for the beginners number four is to do adequate testing to set training zones number three is to train with proper structure number two is to get a coach and number one try to increase training volume that is it for today's tts thursday i hope that you enjoyed it on Monday, I have an interview with uh, coach Val Burke, who is the coach of, among others, pro triathlete Braden Curry from New Zealand. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And uh, of course, next Thursday, we have another TTS Thursday, and probably we're going to tackle top five tips for advanced athletes in that one. If you are looking for help with your training, whether you're looking for training plans or coaching services, full-on individual coaching or customized plans, then check out scientifictriathlon.com. If tip number two inspired you to start looking for a coach, uh, I really think that uh, we have some of the best coaches around. So uh, definitely don't hesitate to contact us and uh, schedule a chat and uh, we can see how things go and if you want to start with coaching. Thank you to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Go and get a free hydration plan for your next race and to find out your individual sweat sodium content and get 15% off your order with the promo code thattriathlonshow15. And thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com. Check out their wetsuits, dry suits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear and prescription glasses and sunglasses and get 20% off your order with the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart. And keep loving triathlon.